I shared a bit yesterday with the men about 2023, of what we're going to do as we come into 2023, that it's a year to have faith toward God, who's our friend. Uh, not faith toward the promises, but faith toward the promiser. And uh, I, I shared a little illustration, which I have with me today. I carry this with me right now. So before I begin to talk today, this little tiny, tiny set screw that I have right there, I lost that in the woods. I dropped it in the forest. I dropped it on the forest floor. And uh, God had been talking to me this last year very deeply about him being my friend. He is who he is. He's the awesome God. We fall down and we worship him. But he's also very intimate. He's very near. He's a friend to us. He didn't become our friend because Jesus died for us. He was our friend. That's why God sent his son to die for us. We weren't his friend, <laughs> but he was our friend. And he wanted a relationship, a friendship, an intimate relationship where we would know him. And in knowing him, we become like him. He's a giver. He's not a taker. He doesn't need anything from us. He did not need us to come here today. He didn't need us to worship him. We needed to <laughs> because he, in our world, changes our world. We, in his world, fulfill his heart's desire, but we really don't change his world. He, he is he's plenty sufficient in himself, but he wants us to know him intimately. And so this last year, I had been walking that out. I wrote a book, Friendship with God, The Empowerment of Honor and Grace. And I know Jan's got a copy of that. I think Derek's got a copy, an e-book copy. There's printed an e-book on Amazon if you want to get it. But little tiny things are very significant. So in the woods, I lost this tiny little screw. Now, I said to my friend, I couldn't, I, I looked at my box. I didn't have a spare. I'm trying to tape my sight together and Finally, I said, Jesus, you're my friend. Would you show me where the screw is? And I walked to the back of my truck, and I, out of my mouth, my spirit bubbled up, and I said, well, there it is. Now, I hadn't seen it. I said, there it is. And as I'm bending over, right there, I saw it, and I picked it up out of the ground. Now, if you don't think that's a miracle, I'll take it outside. We'll throw it in the grass out here, and you find it in the grass. Okay. So I carry this tiny little thing around with me, because it's a reminder of what my friend, what your friend, what our friend can do. So I don't know what the little set screw in your life is in 2023. What's the little impossible thing in your life? Okay. Little tiny things. To, it's a tiny, tiny thing. But sometimes tiny, tiny things to God become huge, huge things in our life. Impossible things. How am I going to get through? How am I going to get over this? I want you to know your friend knows exactly where it is, and it's out of friendship with God that you'll maneuver the path that's ahead of you. Now, today I'm going to shift to talk about uh, a phrase that God gave me for the year. He said it's a year of new strength. That's what he spoke to me. He says a year of new strength, and he said it would be a year of, of hurdles. Now, hurdles are not meant to stop you. Hurdles are meant to draw out of you strength that you didn't know was in you. You get over the hurdle. But if you don't realize the strength that's in you, you can get confused when you're facing a hurdle. It can look like an obstacle. It can look like a block, a roadblock. But it's not intended to be a roadblock. It's intended to demonstrate something that's inside of you. Now, I believe that when God says it's a year of new strength, 
He's not wanting you to find your new strength. He's wanting you to find his strength in you new. And that is your new strength. But it's not the strength of the flesh. It's the strength of his presence. So let's go to Psalms chapter 84. And we're going to look at a psalm. And we're going to um, see if Holy Spirit will, will help us understand something that the psalmist had seen here. And um, on, in, in Psalms 84, verse 1, the psalmist begins to say, he says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. Let's put that in words. How your house, God, your, the place where you live, the place where you tabernacle, the place that you abide. Wow, it's awesome, Lord. My soul longs and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Now, I believe he, God put it in every human being to cry out for the living God. God wants to bless every human being to be a blessing. When God made us, he made us in the likeness and the image of him. Now, think about this. He doesn't need anything. He's a giver. He's all-sufficient. He has plenty of life. He looks for opportunities to give life. And when he made us, he made us in his likeness and his image. So we should live our lives as people who have plenty. We have an abundance to be able to give life to somebody. Now, life is not fair. Life is life. And some days are easy and some days are hard. And on hard days, I want to remind you that on hard days, you're not the only one who's going through a hard day. On good days, you're not the only one that's going through a good day. And on hard days, your identity should not be changed by the hard day. And on a good day, your identity should not be changed by a good day. If I'm like my father, if I'm in his likeness, I'm in his image, on a hard day, I should be a life giver. And I should be empathetic towards somebody in a hard day because I'm in a hard day. But does the hard day stop me from being a life giver? The psalmist is saying, my heart, my, my soul, my flesh cries out for the living God. I love your house, God. Now, Jesus came as God's gift, as the manifestation of the word in flesh. And the Father abided in him. He abided in the Father. He wasn't waiting to, when I go to heaven, I'll be back with my Father. He lived his entire 33 years, 33 and a half years on planet Earth as, some, as a human being who had God's presence in him and with him every step of the way, on hard days and on really good days. I think he probably had some really good days with the disciples. And then he had some really hard days with the disciples. He had days where he laughed. He had days where he cried. He had days where he experienced what you and I experience. I know it's true because the writer of Hebrews says we can go to him because we understand we have somebody who can empathize with us because he was tempted with everything that we're tempted with. He suffered the things that we suffer. And so he knows. 
what life is like for us. But he was always a life giver. He was always a, a giver of life. And so God wants us to find this place where we can find the living God and be givers of life. Then he, he explains it in this psalm with some metaphors. He says, even the sparrows found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Ah, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Now, the house of God is not this building. The house of God is not some geographical location we go to. The house of God is exactly like we see in the life of Jesus. The house of God in Jesus' day was Jesus, who manifested as Jesus Christ. He was the temple of the Holy Spirit in human form. He was so much the temple of the Holy Spirit that the physical temple that was a shadow of him couldn't stand eternally before him. But he could be killed and raised from the dead because he was the eternal temple of the Holy Spirit. And he came to give us our identity as the temple of the Holy Spirit, the place that God lives. Not the place that God visits, the place that God lives. I am the place that God lives. I am the place that God lives. When I go to sleep tonight, I'm going to be the place that God lives, sleeping in my bed. Well, sleeping in the hotel bed tonight. Hopefully tomorrow night it'll be my bed. But <laughs> wherever I am, he is there. So that wherever he is, I can also know that I have access. He's 100% in heaven, but he's also in me. So whatever his kingdom is, whatever his will is, can influence my life now. Because I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. So the psalmist is saying, I really like your house, God. And he compares it to a sparrow. I spend quite a bit of time in the forest. This year I was in the forest quite a bit not just hunting, and hunting was not the major point of me hanging out out there. I, I spent a lot of time fasting and praying through the summer when God said, I want you to indulge in me being your friend. And so I was up in the mountains a lot in July, and then August, I used an excuse, I'm going to go bear hunting. I didn't get a bear because I was more abiding in the presence of God than I was bear hunting. Uh, I, did see a, I did see a bear. The bear walked by several times and, and pooped in the area where I was just to wave and say how he was there. <laughs> but I spent a lot of time in the mountains experiencing my friend God, and I saw a lot of birds. I saw a lot of birds. Uh, sometimes I get birds, they land on me out in the woods. That's how camoed I am, and, and I see how long they'll sit there. I do. I, when I'm archery hunting, I got birds land on my arrow, and I just see how long will a bird go there. I get butterflies, they land on me. And so uh, I've gotten pretty good at that. Just, you know, old guys can be still, and <laughs> which is amazing for a guy like me. I can finally be still. Uh, so, But birds, they, uh, they, they live a bird life. They don't have a lot of worries. They just do bird stuff. And they... they they have a nest in that nest. They lay eggs. They, they have birds. 
and sometimes I'll, I'll be out there and sometimes I'll see hundreds of birds flying over me. Uh, sometimes I, I watch the geese. Uh, in our area in the wintertime, we have swans. We have hundreds of swans that come in. They migrate through our area. So I see big birds. I see little birds. Lots of birds. And so the psalmist here is trying to give us a metaphor of what it's like to find to, to be the place that God lives. To be to find the nest, the God nest. And he says, even your altars, you see that in there? It's not singular, it's 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 plural. Even your altars, O oh God. So today we were in worship, we came here and, and we're expressing our hearts. What is that? We're altars of God's presence. We didn't become the temple of God when we came into this room. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're places that God lives. God wants every human being to know this. He wants every human being to be a place, to be a God nest, to be a place that God lives so that uh, God eggs are laid and God eggs hatch and, and God stuff happens. God purpose happens. It isn't what you do for God. It's what happens because of God. It isn't what you do for God in life. It's what happens with your life because of God. What kind of dad are you going to be? What kind of mom are you going to be? What kind of son? What kind of daughter? What kind of, of cousin are you going to be? What kind of grandpa? What kind of grandma? Uh, what kind of person are you going to be in this world? Are you going to be a person who's looking to be satisfied? Or are you going to be a person who knows the joy of being God's house? The place where God lives. The place where God nests. Like birds nest. Even the bird has found its nest. Oh, your altars, oh God. I love your house. I love where you live. I love that you live in my life. Now, it goes on in this psalm. He says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. God says to me, this is a year of new strength. If I'm going to find new strength, I've got to realize first that the desire of my heart is God. That my flesh, my soul, my thoughts, my reasoning, my imagination, my emotions, my desires cry out for the living God. I was born to be a godness. I was born to be an altar that God lives in. And in that place, I find strength. This is where I find my new strength. If I'm going to find new strength in 2023, I'm going to need to find God living in my life. Now, I'm going to add, remember, he's your friend. And, and cultivate realizing he's your friend. And you'll have an easier time receiving him intimately. My wife and I, we are going to be married for 46 years this May. So we're hitting 46 years. And we are been there, done that. I'm trying, I, I won't catch up to you because, but you know, we're eternal. So it's, it just keeps it going. It won't matter then. But in life, we're, my wife and I, we're friends. <laughs> She's my my, my wife tells you that friends come in pieces. You know, if you want to be my wife's best friend, she'll tell you, well, you know, God's my friend, but friends come in pieces. You can be my best friend in this. So-and-so is my best friend in this. 
Okay? So I would have to say, in life, my wife is my best friend. Okay? I've got some kids that are my best friend too, but my wife is my closest best friend. Now, apart from eternity, God is my best friend. But in human forms, the more I know that my, my wife is my friend, the more I'm going to be able to be intimate with her. The more she knows that I'm her friend, the more she's going to be able to be intimate with me. A relationship, friendship. It's not what can I get from her, it's what can I give to her. Now, God's been teaching me about friendship. He said, friends don't need anything. He said, friends don't need anything. If your friendship is based on what you can get from somebody else, you haven't entered into the deep level of friendship. Because God doesn't need anything, and he's our friend. He gives life, he gives breath, and he gives all things. Well, let me show you the magic. My wife doesn't need me to love her. I don't need my wife to love me, to love her. And since she doesn't need me to love her, for her to love me, and I don't need her to love me, for me to love her, when I love her, it's magic. And when she loves me, it's magic. Because we realize we're not there to get something, we're there to give everything. I'm giving my heart to her. She's giving her heart to me. This is magic. This is the little set screw miracle. It's somewhere on me. It's so small. This is, this is like the magic. When, the more I discover this in life, the more I'm going to understand who God is and the more I'm going to bring God's life to my world. I'm going to find new strength when I realize I wasn't born to get. I wasn't born deficient. I wasn't born an, an, as an empty hole in this world that needs to be filled up. I was born to have a divine connection with the giver so that I have a life that is overflowing. Now, when you forget that, it's easy to get in a world that takes what takes. Your work takes time. Circumstances take your effort. Problems take solutions. Things try to take from you. And so you get caught in this world where you're, you're frustrated. You lose your strength. It's taking my strength, taking my energy, taking my time, taking who I am. So I have to find the secret of being a giver. I have to find the secret of where do I find my strength. So the psalmist says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage whose heart is set on knowing the fact that circumstances are going to constantly change, whose heart is set on knowing I'm going to get older, whose heart is set knowing that there's going to be good days, there's going to be bad days, there's going to be easy days, there's going to be challenging days. It's a pilgrimage. My heart is not set on staying in this moment. My heart is being a place where you live every moment. So, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, now I have to translate Baca for you, weeping. As they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a spring. Now, those of you who have had great loss, and there's a number of you who have had great loss in your life, you know what the valley of weeping is. 
Now, you need to realize that when you're in the valley of weeping and you worship God, you're in a special place. Because you're in a place where you can give to God something you could not give to him when you were not in a valley of weeping. You have a special treasure. It's easy to love God when you feel like loving. But when you don't feel like loving and you love God, it's very special to God because he understands that's the gift of giving. And it's the only time in life when you can worship God at that depth is when you're facing weeping and you have a heart of giving. He says they pass through the valley of weeping and they turn it into pools of joy. In the presence of the Lord, there's the fullness of joy. The only way you can turn a valley of weeping into pools of joy is to be a habitation of God's presence in the midst of the valley. Because true joy doesn't come from you or I. It comes from God's presence. Oh, God, I love your house. My heart, my flesh, my soul cries out for you. I really like your house, God. Even the birds found a nest. But God, ah, your altars, your altars. God lives in this house. God lives in my life. And so I don't know what's going to be happening in 2023, but my feet are on a pilgrimage. I'm, I'm moving forward. And you, can you say that in your mind or out loud? I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. I'm on a pilgrimage. I've got a father who loves me. I'm a habitation of God's presence. I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm going to move. Through. And as they pass, meaning you don't come into a place of weeping for permanence. You come into a place of weeping to pass through. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they turn it into pools of joy. You know, as you pass through a weeping place, you turn it into pools of joy, it can actually become a place where others can find joy and where you found weeping, you were able to leave something behind on your pilgrimage that brought blessing. You encouraged someone, okay? They make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. <laughs> Each one appears before God in Zion. Now, Zion's a very special term in Scripture because Zion is a hill in Jerusalem that King David set up as the place of the tabernacle of David, where the Ark of the Covenant, the manifest presence of God, was set. It was formerly a demonic stronghold. It was held by the Jebusites. It wasn't a holy place. It was an unholy place translated the Jebusite stronghold would be the place where your heart is trampled, where your dreams are crushed, where you're, you're wounded, where, you, where you're afflicted, where you're, you're trampled under. That's literally that Jebusite is to trample under. So where you were trampled under becomes the very place that God says, that's where I want to set up my presence. We sang Amazing Grace. We used to be the wretch that had nothing. We were the trampled place. We were wrecked. We were lost. But he made it so that our hearts become the very place where his word is, where his spirit is, his presence is. 
And now the life that we live, we can live from this place of Zion, from this stronghold of God's love. We can live. We can reign in life from this place of God capturing our our hearts, the stronghold that was crushed, that was wounded, that was broken, becomes a place of his presence. So the psalmist is, is singing about this. Each one appears before God in Zion, in this place where we have a testimony. I remember, but now. I remember, but now. I remember, but now. It couldn't happen, but now. Zion had never Zion had never been taken before David took it. It was a stronghold that could not be taken. I remember, but now. So from Zion, from the place of God's presence, I find strength. The Lord God of hosts hears my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Give ear, O God of those who seek you, those who call out for your blessing. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. Hmm. If God looks upon your face, your face becomes light. There's a, a story in uh, the book of Acts where there was a man named Joseph. And the name Joseph means he has pardoned. And Joseph was renamed by the apostles. They named Joseph Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, because it was obvious that he was an encourager. He gave his goods. He gave his money. He, in some church traditions, some early writers say they, that he may have been the rich young ruler who couldn't, but then finally did. I don't know if there's any truth in that, but possible, because God changes hearts. But Barnabas, and Barnabas... He became instrumental in going even into Antioch. And when he went into Antioch, he said he saw the grace of God upon those who believed. What do people see when they look at us? What do they see when they look at us? Now, the only way they can see God is if we've been living in the face of God. If we've been allowing uh, if we've been looking at him, allowing him to look at us, allowing him to see us, even allowing him to see us in our weakest places so that he can make us strong. I shared with the men yesterday that this year, 2023, I've made a commitment to my friend. I've asked my friend to help me that this year I will act, but I will not react. Now, I'll probably mess up. I already have this year. I reacted to a doctor because I compared the doctor's office to doctor's offices I've had before, okay? And so rather than acting, I reacted. I can promise you, every time you react, it's gonna end up bad. Now there's a difference between responding and reacting. But when you respond, don't react, act. And action is always faith. And acting in faith always gives life. <laughs> always gives life. So that's easier said than walked out. But you need what? You need the presence of God. You need, oh God, behold your shield. Look upon the face of your anointed. Look upon the face of 
of the body of Christ. Look upon the face of this temple of the Holy Spirit. Look upon my face. Let your countenance be upon me. Let my face, let your face shine upon me so that people will look at me and say, oh, we need to rename you. We're going to rename you Barnabas, son of encouragement. Maybe Joseph got named son of encouragement because his attitude was he who pardons. Maybe his character was a forgiving character. He wasn't trying to be obvious, the one who encourages. He wasn't trying to do works that encourage. He was simply being loving, and in his love, he was encouraging. And it became obvious to the apostles, this guy is Barnabas. He's the son of encouragement. What are others going to say about Ted Hansen in 2023? It's obvious he's this. What are people going to say about you in 2023? Oh, it's obvious. Look what they are. And the label that they should put on you is a label that comes from you letting God's face shine upon you, realizing that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the place that God lives. Now, the next verse, verse 10, is a greatly misunderstood verse. And I'm going to try to help us out here. I'm going to, I'm going to say it a couple of ways. I'm going to say it the way we, we most often understand it and sing about it. It says, for a day in the courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now, we sing a song. I would rather stand at the gates of the house of the Lord than to live like a king in the tents of the wicked. Yeah, well, the verse doesn't say that. Now, we get that because I think we have a, a mentality sometimes that people in the world have it good, but I would rather be almost in God than just to choose having it good in the world because I'll have it good eventually. Okay? Now, the Hebrew words here, there's a couple words. It says, earlier we said, we talked about dwelling in the house of the Lord. That word dwell in the Hebrew language means to, to sit to rest, to live there, to abide there, to dwell in the house of the Lord. It's a place you, you sit. It's a place you don't move away from. It's a place you abide. Okay, in this verse, it says, a day in the courts is better than a thousand. First, this word thousand is a Hebrew word that's got either good or bad. It's, when you write it, it's the symbol of an oxen's head. And it's, it's, a, it's a, a symbol for a number. It's a symbol for the number 1,000, but it literally means to, to circle like this, to gyrate. In other words, it's like an eternal thing. It never stops. It never stops. It keeps going round and round and round and round. So in the Hebrew language, you would use this symbol for something that is eternal, something that, that, that never stops. Okay. Now, if you associate it with the word abide, it would be an eternal dwelling in the presence of God. But the word for dwell in this verse is not the word abide. It's a, it's a word that's only used once in Scripture for dwell. And there's only one other place in Scripture where it's even used. And in some translations, it's not even used there. The other place that it's used is when Ezekiel heaps up piles of wood to be burned. That heaping up piles is this word. Okay. Now, so... It, it's the word elif, and elif means it means to heap up. It, or I mean, I'm sorry, elif is the is the the term for one thousand. 
The word for dwell is dur, D-U-W-R, would be close enough to pronounce it, dur, and it means to heap up, uh, to pile up. It isn't a place of blessing, it's a place of, of, of like, you're never satisfied, you never, dis- you never discover the answer, it's heaped up on you. So to dwell in a thousand, in the tents of the wicked, is to, is, is to be never arriving, never being satisfied. If you look at the roots of the word, it's like to be continually in slavery and bondage, never getting there. You're in a tent, it's showy, you can see it, but it's never satisfied. It's like Mick said, I can't get no satisfaction, you know, the endless cycling, never getting there, never getting there. So it's not a good place. It's a place of never finding the cry of your heart, never finding the satisfaction in in God. So for a day in the courts, the day there is the place of, it's just the day, the place of light. We're children of what? The day. We're not children of the night. Our day is an eternal day. Eventually, we'll put on the incorruptible. The corruptible will be put on incorruptible, and we'll have the fullness of that, but we already have eternal life. So a day in the courts is better than a thousand, better than a never getting there. I'd rather be a a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents, than to get heaped up on, to, to be heaped up in the tents, nothing permanent, nothing planted, nothing established of wickedness, okay? Now, what does it mean to be a doorkeeper? Because I'm titling this message, Doorkeepers in the House of God. If I'm going to find new strength, I've got to realize I'm a doorkeeper in the house of God. Okay? It isn't you can be literally at the threshold. You can translate that at the threshold. But it's, it has some deep meanings in this word. It's, it's the word um, uh, safath, and it means to snatch away or terminate. To wait at the threshold is to be in a place like a, actually it comes from a root word, a Hebrew word saf, which means cup, like a bowl or a cup of blood. So in other words, you're, you're at a door where, where if you come to this place where you're a doorkeeper, all of the things that you need to get rid of can get snatched away and lost and be, and be, and be gone forever. Okay, now let me give you a New Testament verse that will make this easier to understand. Philippians chapter 1, I'm coming back to Psalms 84, but Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, this is what Paul says. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor, yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two. I mean, he was in a moment of, he's he's close to death, and he's trying to decide, what do I do? Should I stay or should I go? Do, 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 do. Yeah, he doesn't know. <laughs> For I'm hard pressed between two, having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you 
for all your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Should I stay or should I go? But you see, Paul knew I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be at the threshold of the door than to go in. Why? See, if you're a doorkeeper, it means you've been in. To be a doorkeeper, you know what's in the house. You've met him. And you know that life beyond this life is better than this life because he's good. <laughs> but you've decided to live for the very purpose of which he lives. You are a giver. And you're at the threshold ready to end that endless, never-arriving place for anyone who sees the countenance of your face and says, what is this that you found? See, for us to live is gain for Wichita. For us to live is gain for our children, for our grandchildren, for our neighbors. Our countenances should be shining. We're going from strength to strength. It's a season of new strength to be light to the darkness, to be salt in the earth, to be the testimony that says, come on in, come on in. Okay, God says, I want you to have been in so you know what to invite them into. <laughs> I want you to know the nest of my presence, but I want you to realize I am a giver and it's better to be a doorkeeper than to not be in, it's better to live for the sake of those who aren't in. It's better to live for the sake of those who are in their endless cycles of never arriving. <laughs> to be a giver of life. Now, we can put that out in the world. Let's, let, let's go back to eight, Psalms 84 and then we'll conclude this. But Okay, so I'd rather a day in your courts, a, a day in your courts. A, the courts are the entrance to the very place of being the body of Christ, the Holy of Holies. But a day in your courts, I'm living in your courts to invite people in. I'm at the threshold. It's better than being in that endless place. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be one who is inviting people in the house of my God than to dwell in the place of, of of tents, the place of heaping up, than to have the heaping up place of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He's both light to me and protection to me. And the Lord will give grace and glory. That hardly sounds like almost getting in. <laughs> he's a sun. He's a shield. He gives grace. He gives glory. No good thing will he withhold. From those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man or the woman who trusts in you. So, my question is this Christ's life, Wichita, Kansas. Are we going to live 2023 in the strength of ourselves? hoping for some visitation of God to help us every now and then? Or are we going to realize who we are, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we are the house of God, we're the tabernacle of God, and we're the place that is 
finding that the satisfaction of the soul, our thought, our reasoning, our imagination, our emotions, our desires, our very being, our flesh, cries out for him. We're the nest of his presence, and he, he strengthens us. It doesn't matter what we're going to go through this year. It doesn't matter what's going to happen in the nations. It doesn't matter even what's going to happen in my family, because I'm going to bring life even to weeping places because of who I am, God's presence in my, in my life. And then I'm going to fulfill my purpose. I'm going to live to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. I'm going to live to be one whose countenance shines and invites others to come into this place. Now, they may not come to this building, but they live in your city. And I'm asking myself, you know, the other day I realized I wasn't a good witness to the lady that called from the doctor's office. I'm sure she's heard worse. I'm sure she's heard worse, but it doesn't justify my response. And, and I, was, I was, compared to my past life, I was easy. But looking at stepping away and realizing, wow, you know, was that... A keeper of your door? That was a keeper of keep them out of the door. It wasn't a place where they can come and, and let go of stuff and, and terminate their problems. It was a place that caused some problems for her. She probably got off that phone and thought, ah, oh, that was a jerk. And then maybe she looked at my email, Pastor TJ Hansen. Wow, that's nice. So I'm saying, God told me this is a year of new strength. And I'm realizing that God has put before me an opportunity to be like Paul. If I go, that'd be great. But if I stay, it'd be better for you. I'm going to stay. And for all of us, we should know that if we go, it's good. But if we stay, What's it better for? It's better for someone else. And it's only better for them if we live in the place of our countenance shining, of being the anointed of God, the body of Christ. And we start being doorkeepers to the house of God, and we do that in our workplace, and we do that in our neighborhood, and we do that even with people we meet for the first time. Uh, pretty soon, people are going to want to be around us. And then you just might invite them to come and join. Uh, create a few rooms. If they won't come into this room, make this room something else. And then make it something else. Make many places that people can come. But the place that they're going to connect to is your connection to God. And what's not happening in your life is never someone else's problem. What's not happening in your life is what's not happening in your heart. What's not happening in you being a place of God's manifest presence. God, I love your house. I like your house. I find that in the woods. When I'm in the woods, God lives here. I went on my run this morning. God lives here. God lives here. So I'm going to pray.
because I believe we need to find new strength in 2023. And the secret to our strength is being the Godness, the place that God dwells. And the goodness of that place is we will bring life, even to weeping places, we'll bring life in our pilgrimage to whatever. But we will also choose to be doorkeepers in the house of God. No good thing will he withhold from us. He'll bless us. We know he can be trusted. He's good. And we're going to be an invitation to those who are in that endless cycle of heaping things up and heaping things up, but never being satisfied. I try to tell my grandkids, you know, my grand, grandson, he, he, lo he loves Legos. He likes RC cars and, and he, he, he likes stuff. He lives life. But I always tell him, you know, that all that stuff is really fun, but that stuff will never satisfy. It never satisfies. A good job is great, but it never satisfies. Um, a good family is great, but it won't satisfy unless you become the giver of life in your family. So I'm going to pray. Well, Father... I thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are awesome and wonderful, but you are also very near. You are so near, you want to be near. <laughs> and you are asking us to invite you. You're asking us to welcome you, but then you're also calling us to welcome others, that we would become the place where you dwell, not just when we come together on Sundays or some other day of the week, but that we would be the place where you live every day of the week. It must be tough to live apart from you because knowing you and then sometimes getting confused gets tough enough. So God, we want to connect to you like never before. We want to be the place where you live. We want to be the God nest where you produce your God life and good things happen. And this will be a year of new strength. Greater are you in us than anything that's in this world. We are a temple of your Holy Spirit. So the life that we live, we live fully committed, 100% morning, noon, night, and even while we sleep to be the temple of your Holy Spirit. We present our bodies to you, not just in coming together as a service, but we present our bodies as the God nest where you live. And we thank you that we are the spiritual habitation of your presence. Help us. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you got something out of this. I like the gift of tongues. It's the simplest, stupidest thing. Keeps your head stupid and your heart big. Uh, I promise you. Practice. Yes. Practice expressing. If you don't like tongues, do ha, ah, ah. Start singing some worship songs. Be worshiped to God. Start loving him. Start responding to him. Wake up in the morning and say, God, I really like you. God, I love you. Look in the mirror and realize that you're a God nest and say, thank you, God, that you live here. Uh, get a revelation so that you look and you go, wow, wow, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, I, I don't deserve to be this blessed. And then let your face shine. Let his countenance shine upon us. 
Let the testimony of his peace be the evidence in your life. And, and walk in this pilgrimage. Cast a shadow, but also shine a light. In Peter's life, people got healed from his shadow, but people got saved by his light. <laughs> so do both. Walk through this life and, and let things happen, but be the place of God's presence. New strength in 2023. Amen? Amen.